0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: A great Game 7 on Sunday night at the Garden. 7 o'clock, the puck drops. So exciting there for the Rangers, of course. um, I believe that uh, the story is uh, Shesturkin. 31 saves last night and uh, coming into Game 7. And how defining of a game that is for a lot of careers... Especially when you look at Lundqvist, right? Lundquist 4-0 and in Game 7s uh, to seal the deal at the Garden. So much is uh, it, because we, we saw him struggle in Games 3 and 4. Those are the games that, of course, we saw the Rangers lose. And so uh, he, he has bounced back the last two games. So now, of course, they've won two. And, uh, and it sets up a Game 7 for, uh, for the Rangers. We'll dive into that. We'll take your calls, eight hundred nine I'd love to hear from Rangers fans uh, your thoughts, your expectations uh, for them on Sunday night. Are you going to go to the game? Are you going to go to the garden? That's exciting. Uh, that's another thing. And by the way, we've got Ty and Jake who are producing the show back in the studio. I'm a little under the weather today, so uh, they're going to be more active and attractive uh, than normal. Uh, but, you know, gentlemen, that that's another, that's another question for our listeners out there. You know, we, we've got and and when you look along the the landscape of, in regard to what's going on in the NHL right you've got seven game sevens that are taking place uh so that's exciting the parity right now in the postseason in the NHL we've got a game 7 uh that's taking place in the NBA as well with the Celtics and the Bucks uh in the Mavs in the Suns that's exciting but uh, you know you hear it time and time again right there's nothing more exciting than a NHL game seven on the ice. You agree or disagree with
2: that?
3: We had a caller on the Rothenberg show basically say that there's no better live event than a hockey game. And with playoff hockey, that Mm -hmm. uh, that whole atmosphere just gets kind of lifted to a whole nother level. So I don't know. I mean, out of the four major sports, hockey is my least favorite. But when you're in person at a hockey game, especially a playoff hockey game, there really is nothing like it.
1: Now I've never been to a playoff hockey game. I have been to a hockey game. I have been to the garden to see the Rangers play. Um, but again, uh, you know, 809193776 uh, what what and and what is it I guess my question as well is, you know, what is it about a hockey game seven that that makes it more exciting, more thrilling than an NBA Game seven? Right.
3: I guess it's because in an NBA game seven, at least my dad always says you really only have to watch like the last quarter or five minutes of a game to really get the true story. And of course, if it's a blowout in the last five minutes, it's a 20 point game. Then, yes, you miss the game. But for the most part, with basketball, with there being so much action, you don't necessarily have to watch or live by every single basket that gets scored. But in a hockey game. It could be a one 0 game going, you know, overtime. It could be zero zero going into overtime. So every single goal, every single play, every fan is living and dying by.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, like an NBA game, like you're you're getting consistent scoring on both ends, and you know how much I love basketball, but there's just so much more anxiety you know, from opening face-off in a hockey event because runs are at a premium. And, you know, it's similar to baseball where there are not a lot of runs going to be scored in a Game 7 in theory. But the difference is in baseball, that's more of a slower pace. Like, you can have that in the background, come back. Hockey, it's like you just don't want to miss a minute because there's, like, action just consistently for 60 minutes. So even if it's so funny, like, I'm watching... It was game one, I believe. Yeah, it was game one, the triple overtime game. And, you know, I root for the Rangers just because it's good for the station. But I felt, like, tremendous anxiety. And I had to look myself in the mirror. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this doesn't really affect <laughs> you that much. Like, this is going to have no bearing on your life whatsoever. But any, any person watching a hockey game, whether or not you're rooting for the team, that teams that are playing or not, you just feel that, like, that anxious feeling because it's just so much happening all at once and at any moment that the game can change.
1: So let's break down last night's game. Again, the Rangers win 5-3. Turkin with 31 saves. Again, not a great performance in game three and four, but definitely stepped up in game five and six. Big reason why they are where they are right now. Also, maybe I've buried the lead here, and that is Sidney Crosby. Of course, he did not play. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this. This was the first game This is the first playoff game uh, that Sidney Crosby has missed in five years. And, of course, we know the Penguins are always in it to win it each and every season. So that's huge. I know prior to me coming on on the Dave Rothenberg show, uh, you had some breaking news that I guess Sidney Crosby is practicing today. So he is on the ice. No confirmation whether or not he's going to be active and attractive Sunday night at the Garden but obviously that has been the difference maker as well. You know what you get with Sidney Crosby, right? Like he's the number one, Malkin is the number two. Uh, and so now, uh, you know, elevate and there really isn't a number two, let's be honest. And I've had Greg Washinsky on a few of the shows that I've hosted and filled in over the week. And I've been asking him, what is, what, you know, what, what is, what's standing out in regard to this Penguins team? And, and a lot of it is Sidney Crosby feels like, you know, this is this is the last Swan song for the group of of guys that are on that roster. There's gonna be a number of free agents that are gonna be leaving the Penguins. Uh and they're older and it's a team that needs to push the reset button pretty soon, if not starting next year, and start getting and start getting younger. And so there's a lot of question marks in regards to the future of the organization and the franchise and, and who Cindy Crosby is gonna be playing with. And so that's extra motivation to try to lengthen this season uh to make sure that there's another series in front so he's playing with added motivation um you know uh so we uh, we're, we're going to hear from Gallant in just a second uh he's was really really thrilled not only with Shesturkin's performance last night uh, but also offensively um you know this was a Rangers team that delivered kind of nervous early right Pittsburgh went up 2-0 then in the second quarter Rangers 3-1 so now it's tied 3-3 and then, of course, in the third quarter, two O Rangers. Uh, Shostakin did not allow a goal. And also, keep in mind when you look at the power plays, Pittsburgh zero three on 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 their power play, which is a little over, almost a little under two minutes. The Rangers were two for three, so that was a really big key. Rodriguez, of course, really emotional, uh, really really physical, got the penalty, and uh, and of course, advantage Rangers in that regard. Here's another trend that I came across that's interesting. Get this guys, the Penguins 6 and 0 all time in game 7s on the road. So marinate that for a minute. The Pittsburgh Penguins are 6 and 0 all time unbeaten game 7s on the road. Trends are there for a reason. So this is obviously this is going to be a really crucial game um Obviously, so much emphasis is going to be on whether or not Sidney Crosby is going to be able to suit up and play. Um, and, and, and I think this is a defining moment for Shusterkin's career. You know, game sevens, especially at the Garden, you know, you, you win that, you get one of those under your belt. He has an, an unbelievable performance, possibly puts up over 30 saves again. Um, that's a defining moment in his career. And I love what Gallant said. He said, home ice matters, especially in Game 7, no less at the Garden.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Let's go to Joe in Long Island. Joe, you're up. Welcome in.
4: Hey, Anita. Thanks. Um, Yeah, I was going to say, about Game 6, quickly, um, not only was it just playing the way we expected him to based on all season, but also uh, you let in with the clip of uh, Zabanejad. Um, you know, a lot of the Rangers' top players, those first few games, weren't the ones that were showing up. It was the young kids, even even in the wind. So, thankfully, they all woke up, it seems, um, and things seem to be trending in the right direction. One other thing about the uh, going into Game 7 that's given me confidence, uh, you know, the Ming, um, the uh, Pittsburgh goalie, uh, you know, I don't know how much history you know, third-string guy, mostly minor league career. Hopefully, maybe, you know, all these games in a row is finally getting to him, maybe a little fatigue. That, that glass goal that he gave up was obviously a little soft with that deflection bouncing over him. So I'm um, feeling pretty confident about the Rangers. Uh, like you said, nothing like a Game 7 in the Garden. And hopefully Shusterkin will will follow in the footsteps of Hank and uh, bring it on home. Because if he doesn't, Jill- I'll tell you what. Dave Rothenberg said it this morning earlier. I would have rather they lo- just lost out in Game 5 than come all the way back to lose Game 7. Because it'll be... Pretty much soul crushing as a Ranger fan if they don't. Look, uh, I, have, I have a good amount of confidence in them, so let's go
1: Rangers. I'm, I'm curious to get your take on this, Joe, because I, I feel like you know, for 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 a guy like like Turk and especially the history here with with, with Lundqvist and, and 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 the the magic of the Garden, you know, how significant? I I think it's uber significant uh, for him to win Game Seven. I I think it's career defining. I mean, he's.
4: He's still young. He's got a long career. It'll, you know, I mean, he'll have time to recover, I think, if he loses. But if if he wins it, I think the legend is already, you know, it's – it's it, I think the win will put in the legendary stats. I mean, the season he had being up for the the Hart Trophy and the Vezina Trophy both in the same season. I mean, you cap that off with this Game 7 win, you're pretty much in the pantheon even at that early an age. I mean, you know, you have to hopefully cap it off with a cup. That Hank, even, unfortunately – could never do which was a which was a travesty in and of itself. But uh I, I think a loss it'll hurt, but I, I don't think it'll I think he's still young enough that he'll have time to to make that up. But the win I definitely think will like elevate him to
0: Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
4: Some insane status. I mean, because like I said, just based on the season he's already had and, and to recover from those two awful games that he had in three and four. I mean, if you come back and win the game seven, I
1: uh, I agree. I mean, he... he um,
4: it, it'll be a lot that he'll already have done at a very uh, at a very early stage of his career, so...
1: Joe, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. You know, obviously, so much writing on Shesterkin on uh, and, and this um, Rangers offense, but let's be honest. I, I think the, the, the bigger story here, and, and we've seen it, is how active and attractive Sidney Crosby is he going to be. You know, it is Game 7. It's that defining game. You know, at, at what point will he play? At 75%, 80%? How effective will he be? Because when he's been on the ice... It, Pittsburgh has dominated. So again, uh, you, and, and you guys produce Dave's show, so... Um, yeah, so had, I actually had, have
3: the tweet. So it's at Penn's Inside Scoop. Uh, Michelle Ciriolo, who's the Penguins team reporter, verified 114,000 followers. She tweeted out about 20 minutes ago that Sidney Crosby is currently on the ice for the P- Pittsburgh Penguins practice. So not great news for Rangers fans if you were expecting Crosby to kind of miss out on this Game 7. But this morning, about 20 minutes ago, as we reported, Sidney Crosby is on the ice. So not great news for Rangers fans.
1: No. So we'll see what happens. We'll stay on top of that. And again, a really exciting Game 7 at the Garden. Hopefully you got tickets. Kudos to you. There's a lot going on here, by the way, Uh, in New York this week. uh, It's not just... um, it's not just the rangers rangers uh, having hosting that that game seven which obviously is the biggest ticket in town i'm sure um but you've got uh, the women the lpga and they're teeing it up they're playing out there at upper montclair country club at the cognizant founders cup um so that's a great event if you're heading out there weather conditions are supposed to be nice tomorrow so that's fun you got the rangers at home at the garden tomorrow as well um and um and let's let's talk some major league baseballs. Uh the Yankees going up against the White Sox, they win yet again last night, ten to four. So I was on our our ESPN's uh gambling digital show called Bet and uh, one of my my best bets, one of my plays in, in Major League Baseball last night was the Yankees over four and a half team total points. Uh and I I mean they crushed that. They got to that immediately. Um so, you know, this is a Yankees team, boy. I, I tell you, it, it's really interesting because if, if, if you've been listening to me for the last few years, one of my biggest criticisms with Brian Cashman is, and I still believe this, okay? So I'm, I'm really intrigued on how this season, how I think this season is going to play out. And I truly believe you need at least two aces in your rotation to win a World Series. My opinion. Um, but, you know, that, that has not been... The formula, uh, as as Cashman has been putting a lot of emphasis, uh, a lot of money wherever the Yankees do spend money, on the lineup, not necessarily the rotation. Now the rotation has out. Let's be honest the the rotation has outperformed so far this season. Right, uh, Cortez, um, Severino, you, you you kind of had an expectation of Garrett Cole coming in. He's th- he's three and zero so far in the season. Last night. He pitched a little over six innings, <clears throat> gave up three runs, six hits, nine strikeouts. He's been great. Seems like he's turned the corner in regard to what we saw last season when they stopped allowing the, the, uh, the starting pitchers to use whatever uh, sticky stuff uh, they were using. But you've got, you've got Stanton and, and Judge. And, uh, and Ty, you, you sent me an, an email today. The Yankees are 20-1 when both Stanton and Judge Homer in the same
2: game. I believe that actually went up to 21 and 1. I should have corrected that, but now 21 and 1 because they both homered last night. And uh, this is like when you put the team together a couple of years ago, when you added Stanton uh, to this lineup, this is what you envision. You know, that people are calling them the Bash Brothers. Uh, unfortunately for them, is you, you haven't been able to have Judge and Stanton sustain their health throughout a season. Uh, but the last two years, they've been pretty dominant and, and high-powering this Yankee offense. You just hope it could continue into October because that's ultimately how you're going to judge this team. As good as they are now, uh, the runs become at a premium once they get to the postseason because you face you know elite pitching and, and the quality of at-bats, it becomes tougher. So once they get to October, if these guys can continue to, to hit the way they are, and I don't see why they can't go on a run.
3: And to hop off of Ty's back, this start has been incredible. And Yankees fans should be enjoying it. Of course, if they go out in the first round of the playoffs and lose, all of it will not be that great. But realistically, you have to enjoy the ride. And this is one of their best starts in team history. Through 32 games, they've only reached 24 wins. Four other times, 1928, 1939, 1958, and 1998. And all four of those times, they ended up winning the World Series. So, if you're looking at things like that, the Yankees are in great shape. And he just mentioned Judge and Stanton lighting it up. Home runs pretty much, it seems like, every game. But Judge and Stanton joined Ruth and Gehrig and Mantle and Barra as the only pair of teammates in Yankees history to have 10-plus homers in 32 games. So, pretty nice company to be in.
1: Wow, wow, wow. And again, the Yankees, 21-1 in with both Stanton and Je- Judge hit a homer in the same game. Stanton has three straight games with a home run. Judge has two. Um, Josh Donaldson has two. Gallo got some action yesterday as well. So today, later on tonight, <clears throat> 7 o'clock, Montgomery on, as I like to call it, the bump for the Yankees. 0-1 with a two nine zero. Uh, Era and they're going up against Keichel, who has been sh- who has struggled against the Yankees. So uh, yet again, uh, I'm, I'm all over this Yankees team. I'll play the Yankees on the money line. I'll also take the over in team total runs. And it's tonight funny. It's funny as Indiana. well.
3: You mentioned just we said Judge and Stanton. Then you went off. Donaldson's been heating up. You know, glaber has been better. lemayu has been good. Anthony Rizzo was the guy the first couple of weeks that everyone was mm-hmm. talking about, and he's yep. one of the leaders in home runs too. He has nine, but he actually hasn't hit one. In more than two weeks. He's actually batting 132 over the last two weeks. But luckily for him, Judge and Stanton are so hot that no one really seems to talk about it. So luckily for him, he's having a little bit of a down uh, stretch the last couple of weeks. No home runs after that great start. He had that three home run game. But Judge and Stanton have certainly picked up the load.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing. this th- There's an ebb and flow. I, like It's a long season. <clears throat> I think it's unrealistic to think that Stanton and Judge are going to stay this great all season long. And so, you know, maybe that's exactly what this team needs in that clubhouse where, let's say, you know, Stanton and Judge get cold, Rizzo once again lights it up again. That's what's really important and that's what needs to happen, especially when you look across uh, Major League Baseball and teams that do well. There is an ebb and flow to a season in regard to who's hitting well certain months. Okay, this guy's gotten cold, but this guy, this other player stepped up. It's exactly what... The Yankees need, uh, and and of course, you know, there's always the trade deadline. If the Yankees continue to play as well as they do, you know, do they prior to the trade deadline, uh, do they even go after, uh, you know, another arm to even make this rotation even better as they head into October? Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. David Lennon from Newsday joins us next. We'll continue to talk Major League Baseball. Yankees, Mets, Mets unfortunately lose to Seattle yesterday, uh, but they're back at it today. Uh, Bassett is, uh, is, is taking on Seattle.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Upset a few Jets fans with my Jets schedule analysis. Hater. I'm not, a, I'm not a hater. I just, the NFL did them no justice by giving them all four AFC North opponents? Are you kidding me?
2: Yeah, but the, the Browns are not going to have their quarterback.
1: We don't know that. That hasn't that hasn't been confirmed yet. We're we're as, speculating. We're assuming. We're assuming.
2: Yeah, but I mean, I don't think there's anyone who who actually believes Deshaun Watson is going to start the season as the quarterback of the Browns. So let's just operate under those circumstances. I would argue that the best time to play the Ravens, if 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 we expect the Ravens to be the Baltimore Ravens, like a playoff team with Lamar Jackson, a uh, uh, you know an MVP quarterback. If we expect them to be good this season, I would argue the best time to play them would be week one. Before they get into a groove, before they get going.
1: But you're you're not worried with the fact of how many young players you're
2: gonna of have course. on your rosters to of okay. course somewhere uh, against
1: was, against against that team, against that offense, no, against a, that defense? It's
2: a tough game regardless. And I'm not even saying that the Jets like should win this game or will win this game. I'm saying that if there's any time to play a, a team like Baltimore it would be right off the bat early where everyone's still trying to see but see but see but you're them.
1: but what you're what you're assuming is you're thinking like Baltimore's not going to be rolling on all cylinders what I'm thinking is you've got a lot of young guys that are going to be taking on Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore Ravens offense let alone that defense for the first time that's your in, that's your introduction to the league
2: I get it, it but if we see fluky things happen so often in week one, right? I mean, last year, let's go back. The, the Packers got smoked by it was the Saints, right? It was the, one of the worst games Aaron Rodgers has ever played, and everyone overreacted to it. And and then they went on to, to win um, to get the one seed in the NFC. So I'm just saying, like, week one, we see craziness happen. So that's that, that would be the week I would want to play a team like Baltimore. And I'm not saying they're going to win it. Um, but if, if there is a, a place for that game, I would say it's week one. Uh, at Cleveland, they don't have a quarterback. Cincinnati, they, probably, they beat them last year, but I, I think, so. if I remember correctly, the Bengals were playing a, a tough team the week after the Jets, and I, I just feel like that was like a performance. They just looked past them. And then Pittsburgh, you know, what's their quarterback situation?
1: It's going to be Trubisky.
2: Yeah, Trubisky's going to start, and he's not good. There's a I, just, see, I disagree with you. You think Trubisky's you. a good quarterback?
1: I think he's a very good quarterback.
2: So why did his his team get rid of him?
1: They didn't That's get odd. rid of him. He was he was who got rid of, he was a backup. He wants to start.
2: Yeah, he he was drafted by Chicago,
1: right? And then and no and that was him. and that was and and that was a hor like he had he played behind a horrible offensive line. Horrible. Uh, I do like Foxy, but uh, did not have a great. Um, offensive coordinator, like you know, very similar. Listen, very similar to Daniel Jones. I know, I know, Giants fans have had it with Daniel Jones. I, I, be careful what you wish for. Like,
2: I don't know. I think,
1: I think Daniel Jones, I think his skill set, you, you can't find in and around the NFL. And you know, he's just he's been bad. He's been sold a bag of lemons since he arrived here, and he might be damaged. I like the, he, and there might not be a return from this. But um call, call
2: me crazy. Uh I don't I don't know that organizations are just uh getting rid of very good quarterbacks, especially with it being so hard to find. Mitch Trubisky, I, I've never watched him and thought he was a really good quarterback. And and neither did the Bears. Um so I, I don't know that he's gonna go to Pittsburgh and, and, and perform well. Uh and I don't think that they know that, which is why they drafted a quarterback as well. Um so yeah, the the first four games tough, but can you go two and two? Not impossible. Oh and nine, I think, is bizarro world.
1: So so what you're saying is you think they could possibly beat Baltimore week one. You think they could possibly beat Cincinnati.
2: No, I, I, I don't think they're gonna beat Cincinnati. I, I say that they're probably going to lose the home games to the Ravens and Bengals, but I think they can absolutely beat Cleveland and Pittsburgh. <laughs>
1: Let's go to our calls. 800-919-3776. Joe's calling in from Staten Island. Joe, welcome in.
5: Hi, uh, good afternoon. How you doing? Uh, The um, the 0-9 thing, I I understand, but I still see the first um, nine games. They possibly can win five games there. They're not going to win against Baltimore. I understand that. The Browns, uh, depends on Watson, but then again, he still has to learn the playbooks. Uh, That might slow him down a little bit. I see that as a win. I see the Bengals as a win. Uh, only if they bring back that defensive tackle that was in the building for two days, I think. That can help definitely help them win that but game. They here, play here's, here's last the year. thing. They're here's the thing.
1: Cincinnati went to the Super
5: Bowl this year. I understand that, but they played them really tough, and they won. Like, there's got to be something in there. Um, something's got to click with Wilson. He, this is the second year in the same playbook, and they added a running back. Um, with Pittsburgh, uh, that's tough. I mean, I see that. I see that close win. Dolphins... I mean, I understand what the Dolphins are doing, but uh, I see them as very equally team. I mean, besides one 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 more receiver being great, uh, the next five games the uh, the build the, the Pages might be a win there. I think maybe. So that's what I have as my first um, nine wins. They're going to beat the Bears and they they're going to beat Seattle and they're going to beat the Jaguar. So I say eight and eight wins. Um, the best or nine wins if they try really hard. But that's, that's where I go over there. I mean, Joe Douglas has done great, great things this offseason. Uh, the 0-9, I would say if Joe Douglas would have done nothing, like he they, they just added just one, one or two players, great. But he's done great things for this um, this team this offseason. So something's, something's got to click.
1: Joe, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Let's go to Hammer in the Bronx. Hammer, you're up.
6: Hello, Anita, Anita, Anita. One of my favorite ESPN Radio New York personalities, I love you to death, but I told you a few months back that Derek Carr was not going anywhere. Did I not? You did. I want to say right now I looked at the schedule. We did a breakdown of the schedule on my podcast, Hammer's House on YouTube, and I'm looking at it right now. We're probably going to be 13-4, and 12-5 team. I think we split the division matchups. And I think the only other teams that we potentially lose to, and it hurts for me to say this because I'm supposed to be out there for this game, is going to be the Thursday night matchup against the Rams and probably against the Colts. So that might be a close game, but I think with everything we have now, the new front office, Josh McDaniels, a competent head coach when it comes to red zone offense, Devontae Adams and the rest of the weapons on offense and defense – I think this team is potentially a is a Super Bowl contender, but I still think we're pieces away. I believe that we're a number one corner and a veteran right tackle away from being a Super Bowl champion.
1: Yeah, I just and, and I appreciate the phone call. I just you know this is this is arguably the most competitive division in the NFL now, especially with Russell Wilson in Denver and what the Chargers have been able to do in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, watch out. Uh, The Chargers are going to be a force.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Talking all things about uh, the NFL schedule that came out. Uh, Not really optimistic in regard to the schedule for the Jets. Especially, again, you're talking about a minimum of 10, if not possibly 13 players that will be starting for the Jets that are either a rookie or in their second year. So... You know, I, I think the NFL could have been a little bit more kind into giving them not the entire AFC North to start the season the first four weeks. Let's go to Steve, uh, calling in from Mohegan Lake. Steve, welcome in. How are you doing?
6: Good, Anita. How are you? Um, I wanted to call in and talk about Mitch Trubisky. Um, I strongly disagree. I think he's a bad quarterback, and I think Dable uh, and Sheldon both have to agree with that point since they had a full year of him in Buffalo they opted not to extend daniel jones on that fifth year option and they still didn't want to bring him in
1: that's but not the true back- they tried they try they try steve they tried to bring him in he wants to start yeah, that's why he went why, to if pittsburgh
0: he is
6: significantly better than daniel jones which it sounds like at the argument you're making then why wouldn't you just cut daniel i didn't jones say
1: that uh, steve i didn't say i didn't say that he's better than daniel jones that, those words did not come out of my mouth uh, what i'm telling you is that dable uh, would have loved for Trubisky to come here um, the reason that he didn't come here is because he, he can't start. And you, you heard what ownership had to say. They are committed to giving Daniel Jones. You have to, based on where the Giants drafted Daniel Jones um, and, and that draft capital that they spent on him, the Giants have so the to see what they have I'm in Daniel Jones.
2: Chief,
6: Why wouldn't you pick up the fifth-year chief if you had any confidence in him?
1: In Daniel Jones? I, th- I don't think it's that they don't have confidence in him. I think there's some question marks about his health. And from what I understand, that's why they didn't pick up the, the fifth-year option. I would have picked it. I, I think it's a bargain at $20 million, personally. Agreed. Uh, but, but, yeah, I do. For somebody of his caliber, yeah. Um, Daniel Jones could win football games for you.
6: Uh, I guess we'll, we'll agree to disagree there. Have a good one, Anita. I hope you feel better.
1: You got it. You got it. I, I, I hope people realize this is – Daniel Jones is on his fifth head coach – In four years, going all the way back to Duke. So, first of all, marinating that, there's been no consistency for him at all. He's played behind a horrible offensive line his entire tenure here with the Jets, uh, with the Giants. Saquon Barkley has been injured the majority of his time here with the Giants. So it's not, like, it's not like Saquon Barkley has uh, been able to help establish a frightening rushing attack that's going to keep defenses honest and respect Saquon Barkley, giving, uh, allowing Daniel Jones a little bit of wiggle room. And his wide receiving core has been subpar. Gallaudet was a huge disaster last year. Kadarius Toney, huge disaster last year. Sterling Shepard can't stay healthy. Evan Ingram can't catch a ball to save his life. So we're going to sit here and we're just going to immediately just say, Daniel Jones sucks. He's horrible. Giants need to move on. With with that sample size of BS? (laughs) I mean, you know, a part of me feels like, and, and again, listen, I don't know. Daniel Jones very well could be so damaged at this point that there's no that, that there's no return, right? We saw it with with David Carr. Okay? in Houston if you recall, when when the Texans drafted him. Um you know, there's there is an injury. To me, the biggest the biggest red flag when it comes to Daniel Jones is is injury. Can he stay healthy for 17 games? He hasn't proved that he can. And, and <laughs> you need to do that in the NFL, especially as a quarterback. So for me, the biggest red flag with Daniel Jones is health. But I, I, I think it would be very unfair of anyone to sit here and say Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback based on what he's been working with, which is next to nothing. And I'm not sitting here telling you that Daniel Jones is a great quarterback. What I'm telling you is, I don't know. We don't know. Because he has not been given an opportunity to perform under the right conditions. Okay? I mean, you know, everybody likes to appoint Tom Brady the greatest of all time. What happens when Tom Brady has less than 2 seconds to get the ball out of his hands? He's on his back and he's bitching and complaining to his offensive line. So, you <laughs> you we don't know what time it is with Daniel Jones. We just don't. And, and, and I'm going to go one step further. I don't know if this is the year that we will find out. I don't think the Giants are going to win more than seven games.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: So is is the fan base going to look at this season and say, another under 500 season, Daniel Jones needs to go? I, I mean, you know, what if Kadarius Tony can't stay on the field? What if Galladay is a head case? Granted, you like what you've seen, what they've done with the offensive line. The defense has gotten better, but they just had to cut Bradbury. How's how's this secondary going to be able to compete in a very aggressive Wink Martindale blitz happy defense in that division? So, a, a part of me, a part of me wishes that Daniel Jones would just would go to another team and, and and get a new lease on life and a new opportunity somewhere else. Part of me feels that's what he needs. Really. Really. Let's go to Anthony, calling in from a mail truck. Anthony, you're up.
6: Anita, how you doing? I,
1: I've been better, boo, but what you got?
6: Um, so
4: I usually agree with you on, on most things, and this take on Daniel Jones is, Horrendous! I, I I cannot tell you how bad of a quarterback he is.
1: Why? He's a turnover machine. Okay, he's okay. Time out, time machine. out. Let's go, let's go, and, Anthony, yeah. Anthony. Let's go one, let's go one Turn by on. one. Let's go one by one. You say he's a turnover machine. You know why he's a turnover machine? Because he has no protection. He has less than two seconds to get the ball at, and because there's so much criticism, he's trying to do too much. He's not laying down when he should because he's trying to make chicken salad out of chicken. Poop, and that and and now that's on that's on him but the pressure is coming because he has no offensive line if you go back and you look at all the fumbles if you look at all the fumbles in daniel jones's career it's because it's because of a breakdown in protection in less than three seconds okay number two go ahead go ahead
4: ahead. you look at some of these other quarterbacks in the league You know, with, with, uh, with bad offensive lines and, you know, they, they, they make it, you know, happen. They, they win games. He cannot win games in the NFL. I feel like him coming out of Duke. Well, who was the last quarterback? And and honestly, I don't even know who was the last quarterback to come out of Duke that was remotely good. You know, Uh, I, I I
1: don't, I I mean, Anthony, I don't, and I appreciate the phone call. I, I don't, I don't have that answer for you. I don't know. Um. And again, I'm not sitting here telling you that Daniel Jones is the end-all, be-all. What I'm telling you is we don't know. Hey, we don't know. Can I know. ask you a question?
2: Mm-hmm. If in year four, we still don't know about a quarterback. Doesn't that mean we actually know, but we're just afraid to admit it? Because then it puts us in a precarious situation, and now we have to reset. And by we, I mean the Giants organization. We still have the same question marks about Daniel Jones that we had in year one and it's now year 4. I think we know already Anita. I think we know.
1: Okay, well, maybe you do. I I I still think there's, you know, give 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 the young man an offensive line, give him a rushing attack, give him some weapons on offense to to throw to that aren't injured. That aren't head cases that actually catch passes.
2: So give him the perfect situation, and then he can find his way to be. No, I'm not. No, no one,
1: no one has the perfect situation, Ty. But it, it, all three levels, he's been screwed. He, all three levels, horrible offensive line, no rushing attack, no weapons to throw to. All three negative, negative, negative. He doesn't have one positive. Where's his positive? He doesn't have
2: it. He also can't stay healthy, and he's a turnover machine.
1: That's a that's a, big, that's a that big that's a big that's a that's a big concern. Yeah, but when you are trying to do too much, and and again, that is on him. But when the criticism is there, and you're tr- you're tr- you're trying, yeah, tr- oh, man, I got to win. I like I'm gonna get ripped. We lose, I'm gonna get ripped on sports talk radio tomorrow.
2: Yeah, that's part of being you, an you, NFL quarterback. That's not like unique to Daniel Jones. But you but
1: you push, but you you t- well, you tend to push too hard then when you you shouldn't
2: if 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 a quarterback can't handle uh, the pressure of performing to the point where he's nervous about him being criticized on sports talk radio then he doesn't need to be an NFL quarterback especially in New York like if if, if that's part of what you're worried about with a quarterback he's only then he's, he's not only the
1: human guy. we would all we would all feel that pressure that this is a Giants organization that goes out drafts him as high as they did I was shocked when the draft pick was put in, just like a number of other Giants fans were. So uh, part of this, uh, the onus, is on the Giants. Like The Giants totally screwed this kid big time, because in in all honesty, he should have gone late in the first, if not in the second. Then this pressure wouldn't be as immense, number one. And number two, you draft him, and then you, you don't build around him properly.
2: So, but the Giants I, thought he was their guy, which is why they took him number six. If you think he's your guy, then you don't wait until the second round of taking. You just take him whenever you can.
1: I, I understand, but my point is a lot of the pressure that is on him is because of where he was selected. I, I, don't, I don't think that he would have this much pressure if he was selected towards the bottom of the first. If he was the fifth or sixth or seventh quarterback taken. Um, I don't think he'd feel... Uh, this type of pressure.
0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Joe, welcome in. How you doing?
0: Hey Anita, thanks for having me on. It's a gloomy
7: Saturday, but a uh, lot of action happening all over the place. I um, know everybody's talking about all these game sevens all over the place.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 nuts. Uh, why don't we start with some uh, Major League Baseball? Uh, one uh, one of my favorite plays yesterday was Yankees over four and a half. Uh, team total runs, and uh, what, I think they, they put up six even like before the fifth, so I won that pretty easily. Um, you've got both the, uh, the Yankees and the Mets going at it tonight. First pitch is at seven ten. 10 Montgomery um, going up against Keiko. Keiko has not performed well against the Yankees uh, in years past, and then, of course, you've got the Mets, Chris Bassett on the bump going up against Kirby at home hosting Seattle. Any play in these two games?
7: Yeah, when you take a look at the Yankees, what could you say about them? I mean, right now they have the best record in baseball. They've won five in a row. But no one's talking about the Houston Astros. Watch out for the Astros. They've won 11 in a row, and I'm curious to see once the Yankees get into their meat of the schedule. uh, They've had a very favorable schedule, um, and with the White Sox being all banged up right now, you know, when you look at Keichel and Montgomery, um, you know, Montgomery doesn't have a win. He's pitched very well this season. However, um, I am taking the White Sox in this game here. I'm taking the dog in this game here. I know everyone's going to be like, oh, how could you bet against the Yankees, the hottest team in baseball, the team with the best record? Um, But I think that. With, um, the White Sox here, um, they have been competitive in the first game of the series. Um, you know, it was tied in the seventh inning before the Yanks went on an explosion. Um, uh, I think that Keuchel will keep this game respectable, and I'm expecting the White Sox to win here in this game here. Keuchel's 2-3 and three with a 686 ERA, um, and we know the Yankees are the best team in baseball, but uh, I'm taking the White Sox in this game.
1: Interesting. Uh, we've got three hockey games. The first one, the puck drops at p.m. And that's the Bruins going up against the Hurricanes. Of course, the Lightning and the Maple Leafs and then the Kings and the Oilers. Any NHL plays today?
3: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
7: Yeah, it's interesting, Anita. We take a look at this Tampa uh, Toronto Maple Leafs game. It's ironic because they're both playing each other in hockey and they're also playing each other in baseball today. So, uh, you know, you've got the Tampa mm-hmm. Bay Lightning, the, the two time defending champs. Um, and, you know, you're going up against Toronto, and Toronto has a history of choking in these games, and Tampa Bay always has a history of playing well. And the line at Bat Rivers right now um, has the Maple Leafs favored here, minus 127. You can get back 110 with Tampa. The total Need in this game uh, is at six and a half, and I know that most of the games have gone over in this series, except for Game One where uh, Toronto won five nothing. But most of these games have gone high scoring. Uh, You know, the last game they played, Game Six, Tampa won four three on Thursday. The rain game prior to that was four three as well. Uh, I think this total here is high, and uh, I'm going to give you a stat here. This Goalie for Tampa, Andre Vasilevsky, in his last five series where he has had an opportunity, where Tampa's had an opportunity to close out the series, he has given up zero goals in the last five times that Tampa has had a chance to close out the series. Obviously, it's Game 7. It's do or die. The winner moves on. Um, the total in this game is at 6.5. I'm expecting a low-scoring affair between Tampa and Toronto. Game 7, anything could happen. Um, and um, i like the total this game to go under the total, under 6.5 goals between uh, Tampa and Toronto in the NHL.
1: And you could get that at minus 120, correct? at Bet rivers uh yes
7: uh um at 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 uh, bat rivers right now uh the under is at minus 120 six and a half goals and as i said game one went under every other game went over and ironically a lot of these nhl games all of a sudden are all a lot of high scoring games here but i think this one here with the game seven there's gonna be so much pressure very very little room for error so i'm take the I'm, i like to toll this game under with uh, vasilevsky he's one of the best goalies in the nhl if not the best you got the two-time defending world champions uh you know, so I'm going with the under expecting a low scoring affair.
1: Um, you've got the Rangers game seven going up against the, uh, the Penguins. Uh, there's some reports out there that Sidney Crosby was able to practice today, um, expecting him to make the trip. Not sure if he will play or not, but um, obviously that's a factor in assessing uh, that matchup game seven at the Garden. Any play there for the Rangers and Penguins tomorrow?
7: Yeah, I mean, the last time we've had a Game 7, Anita, at the Garden, it's been a long time. It's 2015 since we've had a Game 7. And, you know, the Rangers just uh, you know keep coming back. And, uh, you know, Crosby, obviously, he's been out for a game and a half. And the Rangers have done well. And, you know, I think the Rangers have to be very fortunate that Crosby hasn't been playing because I think the series would be over if Crosby was playing. I know a lot of Ranger fans don't want to hear that. But the Rangers really haven't played their best hockey in this series. And uh, neither has the goalie Igor Shesterkin. So um, I think the the total in this game here is at 6.5. Every game in this series has gone over. Okay? Uh, the Rangers are minus 140 in this game here. Um, you know, a lot's going to depend on whether Crosby plays or not. If Crosby does not play, I would lay the 140. And obviously, we're not going to know until tomorrow. Right now, it's 50-50 if he's playing. Uh, my sources tell me that if he does play, it's going to be, you know, suspect if he's going to be 100% and how fragile he's going to be with the concussion issue that he has. So my recommendation is to go over this game, over six and a half goals. Every game in this series between the Penguins and Rangers have. Gone over six straight overs, but pay attention to see if Crosby is not in the lineup. If Crosby is not in the lineup, I would like the Rangers to advance to the second round.
1: So you get the over six and a half goals uh, at pretty much even money uh, plus 105. Um, yeah, and, and that's
7: interesting because a lot, a lot of the times, Anita, I talked about it on my show, a lot of times people will see totals and I've had a few people ask me, hey, what is minus or uh, sometimes when you're playing overs and unders, there's juice involved with it. And you have to be careful because sometimes you have to put a little bit more juice up. But in this situation, uh, uh, on, the, uh, on the over, uh, it is at six and a half. And it's pretty much minus minus one oh five, which would be even money.
1: Uh, we've got some NBA action uh, going at it uh, with uh, the Bucks and the Celtics, Mavs and Suns, Game 7. Right now, the Celtics uh, back at home tomorrow, minus 5. Uh, favored by five, over-unders at 206.5. Suns back at home, and uh, you know the home, home court advantage has been huge in that matchup between the Suns and the Mavs. Who's ever won at home, uh, they've won by seven or more points, and right now the Suns are favored by six and a half, so very interesting there. The over-unders at 205. Any plays in these NBA games?
7: Yeah, tomorrow, game seven, another defending champion that's uh, on the road and has to win on the road here. You know, we talked about the, uh, to, uh, you know, with Toronto, Tampa in the NHL, but we also have the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champs on the road. And Anita, the uh, home team, has, it really doesn't matter here. Milwaukee won game one and won five. The visiting team has won four of the first six games here, okay? Um, and the line at Bat Rivers right now is a solid five for Boston. Uh, the total scheme is at two oh six and a half. Uh, I have to take the points in the game seven. Um, I think it's going to be a tight defensive game. Um, but, you know, whenever you got Giannis, you know, you had 44 points. I know they didn't win. Um, it would have been, uh, but I think that um, Milwaukee being the defending champs um, and the, with the uh, um, home stadium having no factor at all with four of the first six um, visiting teams winning. I'm going to take the points in this game here in uh, what I'd expect to be a lower scoring game than the total is at two a six and a half. But my official play on this game is Milwaukee. As far as the Dallas Phoenix game here. Uh, yeah. What could you say Anita? I mean, Chris Paul is 37 years old. He's already played in eight Game 7s, okay? Booker, this is his first Game 7. You know, I'd love to see Dallas win um, only because, you know, Phoenix, I felt that they were a little overrated throughout most of the season, and finally they're playing into the series. Nobody expected them to be in a Game 7, and as you mentioned, every game in this series has been decided by seven or more points here. So... Uh, In this game here, I'm going with the Mavericks. I'm taking the dog. I'm going to buy the half point. I'm taking Dallas plus seven. I'm looking to get seven there. And it might even surface tomorrow. Right now, the line at Bat-Rivers has Phoenix favored by six and a half. But everybody I've talked to is on the Suns in this game here. Um, And Chris Paul, like I said, hasn't played well in this series. And his age always is a factor. We saw it last year against Milwaukee, how he completely fell apart in in that series. And as the series go along, you're going to see more issues. But i like... It's Dallas, and I'm looking to take seven. Whenever you have a game seven, Anita, you know, anything can happen. The pressure's on, you know, Phoenix is overwhelming favorite. They're number one seed, best record, etc. But, you know, uh, Dallas, uh, the pressure's on Phoenix. I'm taking the dog plus seven.
1: Uh, Belmont, you got race number five. Uh, post time is about 23 minutes. Uh, I like the three-horse Repo Rocks as well as the one-horse Chateau, and I'm going to throw in the four-horse four answer in. Are you keeping an eye on Belmont Yeah, I know you get Belmont, some good too?
7: information. You, you, you have some good contacts, uh, so you have an advantage over me with these horses here, especially <laughs> at Belmont. But uh, I love some of the tips I get from you. Um, they do really well. But, uh, you know, what's more interesting, Anita, um, is that, uh, you know, uh, Rich Strike is not going to be running in the Preakness. I know we'll talk about that next week on the show. Um, he's going to be running in the Belmont Stakes in three weeks, so I was a little bit disappointed. But, you know, no one's talking about him at all. But, uh, you know, next week's the Preakness here. Um, basically, in this fifth race here at Belmont, the uh, horse I was looking, at here was a uh, dylan davis with Clement horse here um, he's a little bit of a chalk there at uh, five to two but uh next week i'm curious to see what happens um you know rich strike not running so we'll have to wait to see him run in the belmont stakes and that was something else that and i like that's what i like about horse racing you don't have to bet a lot to win a lot of money i think if you did a dollar try box which was like six bucks you could have made uh, uh 14, bucks uh, i posted it on my instagram and twitter just to show people that you could bet small and win big
1: Again, he's Joe Wiz. Joe, uh, let them know where when when and, and and how they could listen to your show.
7: Thanks. I'm on Friday nights at midnight, and of course Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., and come football season, we'll be on Sunday mornings as well, and um, um, they can follow me on Instagram or Twitter. On Twitter, I put out free picks every day. Joe Wiz Sports. I love it, Anita. I put out free picks all the time, and you know, it's amazing. Everyone's like, hey, Wiz, you know, we're just going to listen to you on Anita and get all your free picks mm-hmm, instead mm-hmm. of uh, calling you up, and I'm like, all right, that's fine. I love to give out free winners, and hopefully we can make people money. It's an exciting time of the year, and you know, with legal sports betting, just being a few months old now in New York, and with the You know, uh, hot golf going on and opportunities to make money.
1: Joe, appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Good luck.
0: Thank you. You
2: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.